Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is episode 28 of The Place of Sound. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode, and thanks also to those who've been following along through the last few episodes of the show. For those who happen to be listening in for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space, or the social geography, using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media production formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits, or oral history-style interviews that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to communicate the personal and social significance of a given place. And we typically end the episode with a short documentary-style piece that explores the place-based identity of the producer. The aim with these particular projects is to allow the producer to think about the places that made them who they are today. These are the types of projects you can expect to hear on The Place of Sound. And in this episode, all of them were produced by students here at Carleton University. They're what gets produced in Comms 4501, Digital Media Production, which is a fourth-year workshop course in the Communication and Media Studies program. Before we listen to the projects, I want to take a moment to work through a couple of quick notes. The first is about a local community engagement project titled Urban Imaginaries, a collaboration between Carleton University's School of Industrial Design, the Communication and Media Studies program, and Ottawa Coffeehouse Arlington 5. The project's aim is to reimagine the city, what it is, what it does, and who we are as the individuals and communities that inhabit it. It does so through a series of in-person events such as workshops, public walks, and episodes of this very radio show. Through February and March, The Place of Sound featured a series of three specially produced episodes, showcasing the sound-based compositions and the research of others. The first of which was guest-hosted by Vancouver-based sound artist Helena Crowbath, and featured her newest soundscape composition titled Sea Readings or a Watery Grave. The second of which featured a guest interview with communication and media studies professor Dr. Tracy Lorio and was on the topic of scent cartographies. And the third episode was guest hosted by sound studies professor at Simon Fraser University, Dr. Milena Drumova, and featured an exploration of sound and urban livability. Urban Imaginaries has definitely covered a lot of ground so far, but there's still one event that remains. It's the Urban Imaginaries Festival, which will be held alongside the Arlington Art Market on Saturday, May the 7th. Arlington at Bank Street, in front of Arlington 5, will be closed to automobile traffic for much of the morning and into the afternoon. The street festival will feature the work of a host of local artists, games, activities, events, 
and performances, and it'll also showcase the work produced in association with the Urban Imaginaries project. There'll be free coffee and tea for the first 200 people, so we hope to see you there. To learn more about the festival and the project more broadly, check out urbanimaginaries.com or follow along on Instagram using the handles at Urban Imaginaries or through Arlington 5's account, which is at Arlington 5, the word 5, not the number. second note is about a new documentary podcast series produced by Megan Linton, an Ottawa-based researcher and disability justice activist. The series is called Invisible Institutions, and it explores the injustices of large-scale state institutions and their effects on those who are labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So far, There are four episodes in the series, each of which opens up a different chapter about the history of institutionalization in Canada, showing the ways that this history still very much shapes our present. It's a timely production in light of the pandemic, and it raises questions about the ways that we care or don't for the most vulnerable people in our society. following is a trailer for the series, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about it, check out invisibleinstitutions.com or follow them on Twitter using the handle at INVinstitutions. Where did you work? I worked in the laundry. In the laundry. Under the auspices of training programs, employers can legally pay people with intellectual and developmental disabilities pennies an hour. Did you get paid? 70 cents. 70 cents a day? Every two weeks. Every two weeks, you got 70 cents. Yeah. Introducing Invisible Institutions, a new documentary podcast exploring the horrors of large-scale state institutions for people labeled with intellectual and developmental disabilities in Canada. The host and creator, Megan Linton, is a researcher and disability justice activist investigating the unreported and invisibilized horrors of the institutional system. Join her on her journey to the grounds of current and former institutions, including interviews with survivors, community activists, and experts, as they work together to expose the exploitation, isolation, resistance, and survival facing people labeled with disabilities. These are real stories that are impacting every single day when someone makes a call and says, we have a bed for you. We don't have a home for you, we have a bed for you. Find Invisible Institutions wherever you get your podcasts, coming February 2022. Okay, 
onto the projects. In this episode, we'll listen to an audio portrait, a soundscape composition, and an audio documentary. Three projects in total. The first project is an audio portrait by Maddie McCready titled Home. The piece consists of an interview between Maddie and her father, Dave McCready, who discusses what home means to him. For Dave, home has been many places in his life, from Saudi Arabia to Austria to here in Ottawa. But wherever he's lived, home has always been where his family is. The second project is a soundscape composition by Wenqing Mu titled Mooney's Bay Park. In it, Wen Ching takes us with her to Mooney's Bay Park on a sunny day in autumn, and she uses the soundscape to not only unwind from her busy life as a fourth-year student, but also to bring her back to places she remembers being in as a child. And the final project is an audio documentary by Emma Poole titled A Letter From Me To You. This is a fantastic piece in which Emma explores a part of her identity that she struggled with while she was younger as a student in middle school and high school. It consists of a letter that she wrote in the present to her past self and is filled with ideas of support, encouragement, and hope. The piece offers a glimpse into who Emma was and who she's become as a result of the place-based relationships that she's cultivated throughout her life. Okay, let's begin with Maddie's audio portrait titled Home. Maddie, over to you. Hi, my name is Maddie McCready, and for my audio portrait, I had a chat with my dad, Dave McCready, about what home means to him. He talks about his home as someone who grew up all over the globe and what cooking means to him now that he has a permanent home here in Ottawa. We lived in so many houses that home was always sort of home base in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. I went to high school in Austria and I lived there, but it was never really home. Home was always home base, wherever my parents were living. I lived with my sister in Austria, but home was wherever she was, wherever we were all together, and the family made the home more than the location. Our home in Saudi Arabia was, it was, it was a villa. It was concrete walls, concrete fences, and buildings. It was very flat and not very appealing to look at, but I loved that place. I shared the house with, uh, with my parents, obviously, and my twin sister. The next home was after Saudi Arabia was back in Ottawa and my sister and I had moved back here to finish school and to go to Carleton and we shared a house there that was sort of the, the center for all of our friends to come and hang out in and it was it was our home. It was always full of fun and all our friends were coming and going and if it wasn't my friends, it was my sister's friends. At that point, my parents started coming and visiting us from Saudi Arabia rather than us going there. Every night we like to cook dinner and whoever's here, we gather around the counter and we all have chats and we cook and that makes me feel like home. My favorite thing to cook is actually pho. While we're chopping up all the the fresh ingredients, we'd make a a broth and that has to simmer for a long time to come together and I really enjoy making that. When you guys were young, we had a little bit of help. You guys would help cut carrots and things like that and and that was uh, also made me feel like very much like it was home. I just value that time cooking for everybody. It's rewarding for me to to have sit down meals whenever whoever's around, we always sit down to eat, not eat on the run and in front of the TV and everything. So, I feel like 
a kitchen to me is the center of our entertainment, the center of our family. It's it's what grounds a home. I miss this house very much because we don't get to see you guys very much. But, you know, as your days get busier and your lives get busier, we spend more time at the cottage. And, and that's becoming, a, you know, more of a second home. And we do start to cook there more and hang out, but definitely not the home I'm looking for without you guys there all the time. Mooney's Bay Park is only a 10-minute walk from where I live, so I often go there when the weather is nice. Autumn seems to be particularly longer in Ottawa this year. Warm sunshine, colorful fallen leaves, children playing, flock of birds, and the Golden Lake are the most romantic elements in autumn for me. On a short afternoon, I feel the beauty of autumn in Mooney's Bay Park. On a Friday afternoon, I walked past the falls and gradually make my way to the Mooney's Bay Park. The park is near where I live, so I often go there when the weather is nice. The autumn seems to be going on a little longer in Ottawa this year. I walked into the lawn and stepped on the fallen leaves. Children frolic on the rides in the distance and a plane circle overhead. the swing, sit down, quietly watching the little girl playing with her friends. Her father is chatting with other children's parents. I suddenly feel that time is slowing down, and the scene is so beautiful. Then I began to swing. I closed my eyes, accompanied by the warm sunlight. The sound of the leaves blowing the wind ran around me. Slowly, I entered my childhood memories. One moment, I was playing with my friends in the small square in front of my home, swaying and constantly urging my parents to help me swing hair. The sound of the swing chains take me to another scene. I walk barefoot to the nearby river beach. The lake is sparkling in the sunset.
turn into a bird, and my accompanies call me. So I swim toward the center of the lake. We all hit the unpleasant calls of seagulls. So we flap our wings quickly on the lake, fly toward the sky. The sound of swing slowly wakes me from my thoughts, and I open my eyes. I get up and leave. In my last year in Ottawa, Mooney Space Park let me experience the beauty and warmth of the autumn. Okay, here it is, my final project for this class. This project was most personal and unexpectedly therapeutic for me. I didn't know that it would feel so good to not only get all these things off my chest, but also to express them creatively and have it turn out in a way that closely portrayed how it felt to experience. I hope this letter finds those who may need to hear a story that doesn't end in tragedy, but rather is a reminder that life gets better, you will get through it, and you will look back and be so proud. Until then, take your time. There is no rush. Just know you're never alone. I hope you enjoy. I remember being in high school, laying in bed every single night until I fell asleep, thinking, worrying, waiting, and praying. I was never really religious, but it felt like my best shot at getting something I wanted so desperately boy. Just one boy to show me that I was wrong and perhaps make me change my mind and to take away the confusion and fear. In this fantasy of mine, this boy and I would fall in love and live happily ever after. And I could stop worrying and be able to tell myself, I'm not gay after all. And I know you understand. You're the one living it. I've probably written this letter at least 30 times in the last few days. There's so much that I know you need to hear and so little time to say it. Middle school was when I realized there was something somewhat different about me. Something that made me different from the other girls, but between the overstimulating atmosphere of elementary school, sports, and friends, I can confidently say that it was the last thing on my little mind. You see, I loved boys. Dare I say, I lived for boys. We would play sports, film silly YouTube videos, and often interrupt multiple classes. Probably just me wanting attention because my jokes were the only way that girls would notice me. But there was a brotherhood I felt towards them. In no way did I find myself wanting to spend all my time with them, date them, or share a life with them. In eighth grade, I had my first real crush on my best friend. 
She was the reason I began to feel excited to go to school and the reason why watching her simply exist felt like breathtaking perfection. You see, at this time I was aware of it. I knew that these feelings I felt towards girls was more than admiration, different than envy, and almost exactly like a crush. And although only one of us has ever said it out loud, I know it's the only thing you're thinking about. have this whole idea of what your life is going to be. So to your parents, I mean, everyone thinks they know who you are and you're so scared you're going to disappoint them, that you're going to lose them. But soon you'll realize that it's better to surround yourself with people that love you for you, rather than faking a part of yourself to please the wrong people. If there's one thing that I have forever stood by, it is that everyone deserves love. This is something that I wish I knew as that prepubescent class clown who decided their sole purpose on this earth was to make the pretty girls laugh and that would be good enough. Well, that proved to be a reasonable coping mechanism in middle school. I forgot to consider that high school would bring forth a whole new set of challenges. This little secret of mine was the reason I felt sick when going to my friend's house for sleepovers and the reason I held back tears when my friends would go on dates with boys that I couldn't compete with. As much as I expected that heartbreak, I just accepted the burden and it would be something I would have to deal with because I never thought that I would be the one to get the girl. I know it's scary to feel so out of control for such a huge part of your life. I know that you never think you'd fall in love, and I know that the world feels so big and you feel completely alone. I know you'd give absolutely anything to change this. I know you're hurting. I want you to know good things are coming for you. When I was 16 years old, I decided to leave my worries behind for a bit and travel with some friends on a school trip to Greece and Italy. Let life take the wheel for a while. I wasn't expecting this trip would be my blossoming into my uh, full gayhood, but alas, life is funny that way. See, as much as the anxieties and the sleepless nights felt like I was breaking my own heart over and over again, and I would wish with every fiber of my being that a boy would come rescue me from my paralyzing confusion, what I found instead was a girl. And I realized that was what my heart was really asking for this whole time. And although it was still hard and still very scary, having that person there with you to remind you that everything is okay and you're exactly where you need to be made it a whole lot easier. I traveled halfway across the world only to find that the girl I was about to fall head over heels for was the same girl who sat a few rows ahead of me in history class. In the blink of an eye, I fell completely in love with this girl, and for the first time ever, 
felt like my heart was on fire. And although our three-year relationship ultimately reached its end, it was an important stage of my life and I have nothing but love for that moment and the ways it prepared me for the moments ahead. See, I know you're anxious for this change and I want you to know that it's okay to worry about the uncertainties that lie ahead. Don't be scared. I want to say thank you and I love you. Little me and little you. Or maybe even you right now. You deserve to fall in love and not to spoil the surprise, but you're going to. And although it sucks to not have this path paid for you, I promise it'll all be worth it. Thanks for listening. very much for tuning in to this episode of The Place of Sound. But before I sign off, a couple of quick notes. A reminder that what we've listened to here on this show is only a fraction of the work produced in association with this project. If you're interested in checking out more, have a look at theplaceofsound.ca, where you're not only able to hear this audio work, but also see some of the original photos and the writing that students produce to go along with the audio. There's also a featured work section on the site's blog where you can access some notable individual projects. And in the classes section, you can have a look into the portfolio websites designed by students themselves, which host every project produced in the course. And lastly, under the listen link, you're able to access the show's archive and listen back to any episode of the show you'd like to hear. In the meantime, keep your ear out for upcoming episodes of the show, which air on CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6.30 p.m. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Place of Sound.